0: Hey, something funny just happened and you are in skeeve Land. I'm your host, Alan McDonnell, and today's guest is writer director Jody Hill. Did you ever watch Eastbound and Down and think, God damn, this is cracking me up? You might have believed you were being amused by Danny McBride. Actually, you were laughing with, not at, Jody Hill. And here he is now. Jody, you're not like the typical Los Angeles Hollywood director background. Right. As far yeah. as I can tell. Like you did, I don't think you went to Brown. You didn't go to Wesleyan. <laughs> you didn't, you know, like,
1: <laughs> no, eh. I, I went to a small school called North Carolina School of the Arts. It's actually the University of North Carolina School of the Arts now, but uh, they've changed it to a university since I graduated.
0: So, were well, you thinking then, as a kid in North Carolina, you were thinking you wanted to be involved with movies? or?
1: Yeah. Why did like, you just get in a punk band? I w- <laughs> you know, I couldn't play guitar. Um, I i was always into punk music, I was always into uh, uh I don't know, I did like plays when I was younger, um, you know, books, this sort of thing, you know, nerdy I mean, like kid you read, stuff. You read books, yeah, tried to read a few books. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I think it was sometime in high school I decided to go to film school. Were your
0: parents, uh, in the arts somewhere or are they
1: no my mom's a retired school teacher and my dad sells real estate you know what's crazy
0: is how many people uh like like uh who kind of like come from sort of nowhere and then get some kind of big position in entertainment how many people have a parent who's a school teacher is that right i think ice cube yeah had a his mom's a school teacher really but i seem to uh, oh yeah this uh danny uh, what's his name Donald Glover. Donald Glover. I believe yeah. Donald Glover has a parent who's a school teacher really? as well, and he's from Georgia. Yeah. So it's it's like it's like it's not like a natural progression to get here. So I think somehow this is like a kind of like a you need to have a, it's not bad to have a parent who's a school teacher. Yeah, it's a
1: funnel. It's a <laughs> right, right. If your mom's a teacher, you have a good chance of getting into the film business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I. Uh, it was is she, weird. Every time I meet somebody whose parent was a teacher or who is a teacher, I'm always like, yeah, I feel like a kindred spirit there. Yeah.
0: What did they make? Did she make you do homework or something? Like was she usually, I mean,
1: I guess I had to do. My was homework. she like <laughs> engage, were, were they engaged? <laughs> yeah. Were they engaged? What yes. Were they doing? Totally. My mom and dad both were. Yeah, I had to come from a really like kind of normal, cool family. Uh, what was I gonna say? It's funny. I've often, my dad was sort of like uh, he would start businesses, you know, like franchise, and mm-hmm. then he'd go and try something else. And my mom was always a teacher, so I do feel like I sort of, uh, the, the job I have is sort of like both of my parents to some degree, where like my mom is like a craftsman mm-hmm. in, to some degree, which is sort of like my mm-hmm. deal, but there's also that element of sort of like each project, you have to go raise money, and you have to, you know, like, it's kind of t- like building a circus each time you do it.
0: And you have to resell it every time. That's right. You have to right. resell yourself every time.
1: Yeah, totally. So there's a little elements of both of them, I think, in me. So when did you, so you went to
0: you went, went to, to art school to yeah, art film school, school yeah <laughs> and and, that, and that's where you met your friend
1: yeah I met um, Danny McBride there we were on the same hall our freshman year same dorm dorma, dorm hall and also um, this guy David Gordon Green who's another director and those are like my two business partners we have mm-hmm. a company together. Um. Yeah,
0: it's kind of weird that you're all three happen to be at this like, um, you kind of think of kind of a small town, out of the way, yeah. not a not a funnel to Hollywood place, yeah. and there's three people who continually do things that people really kind of like.
1: Yeah, and there's it's crazy. There was like a few, even like two classes below us. It was this guy Jeff Nichols who makes like he made Mud and mm-hmm. some of these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a few, like, five or six guys out of that whole group that sort of, like, are making films and stuff. And there was only – we were the third graduating film class from there ever, so there was not seniors when we were right. in school. There was a brand-new film school.
0: And it's not like you had a legacy of people who had graduated before you no. who were who were then a web of contacts here when you came to Hollywood.
1: No, no, I wish. Um No, but I think that's kind of, like, why um, we're still tight and everything because – you know, like you said, we didn't graduate and then have some way into the industry or anything like there was no Hollywood ties. Like I know some of those kids who go to NYU and UCLA, yeah, they always have some relative like in the film business or they like have to earn raise their money for student films. And that just seems so far outside of like anything that we were, that we well, were aware do- of. How did you raise money for
0: the that karate movie? The Foot Fist Way? Yeah, the Foot Fist Way, yeah. I just, um, was that a student film? Did it start as a student film? No,
1: no. I came out to L.A. when I was 22 and had just, like, various crappy jobs. Um, like and Like what? What are some of the crappy jobs? Uh, I may still need some of these jobs. <laughs> I, was a, I was a PA on a show called Battle Dome. That was my first thing. It was, like, an American Gladiators' report. Yeah, off. I remember seeing that. Yeah. It's a good show. Yeah, yeah. Um, I the,
0: can see how that actually fills into you, your future work in <laughs> yeah,
1: a way because totally. people get hit in the nuts a lot right yeah exactly yeah a lot of steroids involved you know um and uh you know i worked uh my 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 probably great uh my, my great big deal from then was like i would work i worked in reality tv so like i started as a pa in that mm-hmm. and then became like a story editor which is kind of like the writers of reality tv where you watch the footage and then you write scripts based on the footage and uh that's how i saved money for the movie Mm -hmm. and i paid for the movie myself i put on my i raised money and uh uh, i saved money and then i got a bunch of credit cards and just maxed them out so
0: did anyone else put you in or was it just you
1: uh, it was just me. <laughs> wow! Wow! Yeah. Later on, I mean, I think my brother gave some money once we started shooting and mm-hmm. uh, just to buy some extra film because we ran out.
0: So, how old were you when you made that movie?
1: I was twenty-eight. And
0: uh, like uh, you, what happened? To your dreams to be an actor because in, in that movie, <laughs> you, you know, you had a pretty <laughs> major role. Uh, we.
1: I mean, it's. I think it was a Taekwondo movie. Based, like I did martial arts growing up, mm-hmm. and it was sort of based on that, and um. I really just knew Taekwondo. That was sort of like the. Whole <laughs> thing. That the role I mean, was Dan. not Taekwondo.
0: The role was a kind of a psycho. Yeah, like,
1: like a serial killer. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it was a yeah. pretty
1: good psycho. I yeah, mean, it fun. J- <laughs> I'm doing. I'm play. Um. Uh, it's such a small thing. It's basically a glorified cameo. We just had a show picked up by HBO. Um, it's really Danny's baby. This show, but I play uh the lead guitarist in this mega church band. So, <laughs> I'll be I'll be returning to the small screen. What's the show called? Uh, it's called The Righteous Gemstones.
0: And is it about like a church band or what, what is It's it about,
1: about uh, a, like um, uh, an evangelical family, like this fam. They're called the Gemstones, and mm-hmm. they have one of these mega churches. Is it a drama? Uh, no, it's a comedy, I guess. But it's <laughs> yeah, there's some dark elements to it. Some things. There's always a dark element. Yeah, I've, I've noticed this. There's,
0: yeah. there's always like a <laughs> dark element. Y- your comedy, like uh, I don't know how this is. A- I'm going to work this into a question, but your comedy a lot of times it's a, it's a little brutal. Like when I looked mm-hmm. up, you know, if you Google the foot fist way, yeah. what always comes up is uh, is she still alive? Yeah, <laughs> that scene. And that scene is yeah. is so funny. Yeah, but yeah. it's but it's like, but it's like uh, I guess I, I did you like the Three Stooges when you were growing yeah, up? Yeah, of course. Yeah. What else? What else did you like really like?
1: Um, you know, it's weird. Whenever I was growing up, whenever I first got into film, I was always like we started with like Martin Scorsese films you know taxi driver good goodfellas and these things so i didn't really think like i guess you know because Danny and me were working together we were trying to be funny with our writing but it was never the kind of thing where we were trying to make comedy and uh, so, like when I watch Goodfellas, I'm laughing the whole time. Or you know, Taxi mm-hmm. Driver when he takes her to—I remember when he we watched it and I was in middle school. And he takes her to the porn, uh, the porno, and it was like we thought that was hilarious. It like it, you know, it was like oh that's so funny. He thought this would this is like where you take a yeah. date. Yeah. And so like I think that that's sort of what we're doing with comedy versus like trying to tell necessarily big jokes and stuff.
0: Right. right. I saw. I actually knew a guy who was a film director, and he thought he would take a date to. Um, that Gasper Noé Way movie, I think it's called yeah. Invincible in- Ir- you know? Yeah, Irreversible, Irreversible. Yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. that's what he thought. Yeah. So I mean get her in the mood. Yeah. and <laughs> I, I don't think he would notice how funny that was either. <laughs> but
1: it's got that nine minute rape scene yes <laughs> like, like, people don't realize like how, the absurdity of what they do yeah it's pretty funny I guess it's sort of artsy so maybe he could maybe he thought know. he could get away I with it. I, I heard about it from her and she
0: was just uh, she was trying to get me to explain why he would do that because I guess because I'm a male or whatever yeah, yeah, like, right. I, I couldn't I had to give up my mail card like, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what he was thinking I know.
1: wish I had a video camera on them during that rape scene just to see what his expression was <laughs> like did he keep how looking at yeah. Did he just watch the screen with a straight face? <laughs> how do you do it? <laughs> what level of creep was that? <laughs> like,
0: De Niro, like, you know, that guy, we already know he's a psycho.
1: Yeah. He
0: was, he was watching Sybil Shepard's face, right? He was, I forget how. he was. Travis
1: Bickle? I can't remember. I feel like in the, I, you know, it's over to interpretation, I'm sure, but it felt like he had a like a skewered view of like what normal people do yeah. and so I, I don't I, I can't tell if he actually enjoyed it or not or if that's just what he thought normal he humans were supposed to do this is
0: making progress like we're making real progress yeah. here <laughs> he's on the right track yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. it's gonna work out <laughs> yeah. yeah but uh I, yeah those movies are definitely more like I don't know when I think I, I never I guess we have made comedies but I've never really thought about making comedies it's mm-hmm. always just like making these weird characters right. or whatever you No. Know?
0: the characters are really fucking complex. Yeah. Like, it's, it's 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 like say, Eastbound and Down. Like, yeah. like if you were to just go and describe, like, uh, Kenny Powers' be- behaviors, yeah. and just the way he did, like, it's a totally unsympathetic character. Like right. this is someone who, you know, he's irredeemable. Yeah. And yet, when you watch the show, you kind of, like,
1: yeah. there
0: were certain points, I mean, I didn't tear up, but I could see someone might have, you know, if there are certain points where he, he kind of, and I don't know, if vulnerability is the word, but it's just like it's because you can't not identify with the fact that he's in so far over his head yeah. and doesn't really realize it. Like he kind of the whole blowhard thing and everything is very winning, yeah. seemingly in this guy who doesn't realize how far, how stacked the odds are against him. Yeah. I gotta,
1: well, you know, one thing we were, you know, always trying to do was like. Like five easy pieces, you know, I really like love that movie. I really love those seventies movies where the characters weren't always good guys, They're not good people you know and and um, I guess the thing we tried to do maybe a little that was a little different than was try to make people laugh with it, but the idea of just yeah, I do think that there's something true about you know kind of the classic ideas of journey or or movies where if a guy if a if a character is going on a quest or trying to achieve something sort of like Kenny Powers is always trying to get back to the majors if you just show things from his side you don't necessarily have to like the person they just need to like have something they're trying to do and i think everybody can respond to that to some degree you know like i mean you may not like everything they do but you certainly understand like i think that's where some of the empathy comes from when it's like you know it could be something totally self-serving that he's trying to get or whatever but um, you well, know when, plus he's, when you he do p- like some of the things he does yeah it's like it's like
0: uh, he doesn't have any regard for authority like, right like he's his sort of he he's pretty willing to, to you know flip off of and beyond to authority like yeah. on, on any spot so that, like he gets away with things that some of us would like to get away with you know he just doesn't stop
1: yeah probably I mean I'm sure there's a part of that to it you know that and we always like people like the you know the rebels in the rock band that do whatever they they want to do. Yeah. There's sort sort of, yeah, sort of yeah, a thing. Until, do until it. you're the, yeah. until
0: you're like <coughs> sharing a, a car with them or something. Right? right. Yeah. And yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Can you grow the fuck up a little bit? You know? Yeah. Okay. Totally.
1: Yeah. I'm sure there's a part of that though that people like to see. Although I don't know. I wonder if like now the climate is different where people wouldn't want to see you know a guy like Kenny Powers on the screen. I can't tell.
0: I can't you tell know. either because it is a weird climate. And one of the things I was thinking about. Although I don't know if you ever think about it, it's, it's a, because so much of people who call themselves comedy call themselves comedians, like comedy to me, there's a lot of cruelty in comedy. There's mm-hmm. like like the, is she still alive? I mean, the, the, or right. just the like the, the getting kicked in the nuts. It's it's so often so funny.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But it, it, it seems like there's a lot of comedians. Today, who's sort of like we're gonna teach you how to be better people. We're gonna teach you how to be good people. Yeah. And it's like, how do you do? You see yourself? Cause anywhere in that, or do you ever think about that? Does that ever cross your mind?
1: Um, you know, with Kenny, with Kenny power specifically, we never tried to teach a lesson. That was something that we Danny and me often spoke about. It's just like we're not trying to like teach anybody how to live their life or anything like that. And um. I don't know. I think today a lot of people are just scared. You know what I mean? Like it's it's kind of scary to put yourself out there right now in any in any regard, um, and uh, you know like with our with Eastbound and Down in particular, we tried to really offend everybody, like we and but also not single out any one particular group or anything like that. Um, and I think that ended up working for the show. Like people yeah. could ultimately, yeah. maybe if they were offended at first, ultimately they could tell what we were yeah. doing. You know yeah. what I mean? And sort of he's the ultimate joke, that kind of thing. Yeah. But I think anytime you try to do something like that pushes the the line a little bit. That you know, especially now, you're gonna run into like some trouble a little yeah. bit. You know.
0: We had when we were at Hustler that the line was we're equal opportunity offenders. Right. So it would, you know, somehow we would say that to justify what we would do, but yeah it, like at that time uh you could just say i don't i don't need to justify this you
1: right know? I, yeah you
0: know, yeah I admit okay that's unjustifiable to your point of view, but i don't need to justify this right, but that was before the internet, and that's before like someone could go in and get a hustle editor's name and address and put it in public and and, and turn their whole life upside down yeah it's right. it's a kind of a like i don't know what like that job I had there uh-huh. I, could, I wouldn't take that job now right, right? Yeah. you you couldn't do it in any kind of sense
1: that yeah
0: you know, it's, it's whatever no i get, I get different it different reasons it. i wouldn't you know you couldn't do it for, for well various yeah you can't reasons.
1: shock for just uh like i imagine some of the stuff you guys did was just like let's just like put this out there and shock people and shake up some things right? well some
0: of it was because someone thought of it if you thought of it mm-hmm. and, you know if someone thought of it uh, and it was funny right. or what we would say you know to us was funny. Is funny right and then uh like, there was kind of, like, this rule you had to do it. Yeah. Right.
1: Even, if you knew yeah. It th- even if you knew it was the wrong thing <laughs> to do, you still had to do
0: it. Like, did you, you guys ever come up with something like that? Like, you uh, All the, all the time. You go, oh, no, this is too far. This is too far over the line. Yeah. We, we, Wouldn't we, they go with, okay, then you have to do it? Or? There were a
1: few of us, a few jokes that, like, scared us, and those were always the ones we had to put in there. It was yeah. like, yeah, we've got to do it.
0: Yeah. Can you think of any specific or?
1: I mean – I can think of one for me, know, but I'm not going
0: to yeah. say it because because it's so outlandish.
1: I I'll mean, say it when when we're off, okay. Done, but God, it's so long I got all of them. Um,
0: what about with uh, vice principals?
1: With by, um like had you changed your approach by the time you got the vice principals? Or you, had, you know, not really. The only thing with vice principals, uh, you know, it was very like um, we wanted to have these it was sort of like, you know, a take on these like two white guys who want this like position of principle and a black woman is the principal, right? And we knew that would be sort of like, uh, you know, says something about our world, whatever. Yeah. I won't get all into it, but and and th- you know, we definitely wanted to like make it to where like that was a, a thing right up front. But the thing that we tried to do is sort of like make her like smarter than them, make mm. them better than them, all this kind of stuff. But she's but always that, gonna,
0: she's always gonna prevail. Like that's kind of a given that she will always prevail.
1: Right. Well just that yeah, just that she's you know, she's not the victim. She's yeah. not, you know, yeah. like this kind of thing. And but at fr- at first, like people were very like, you know, upset about that show when it came out where it's just like, how can you do this to, you know, um uh just to have two white guys banging on this this uh black woman and it was almost like we felt like a little angry about that because you know they didn't wait until the show to like re- revealed all its answers and that mm-hmm, kind of stuff mm-hmm. you know and like by the end by the third or fourth episode nobody was saying that anymore right. and like a few of the critics even like apologized right. sort of for uh, for assuming that but um yeah we definitely knew what we were doing and like trying to like you know do you often have,
0: like, people assume that you don't understand the humor that you're doing?
1: <laughs> yes, I think so, yeah. That's <laughs> happened all the time. Like, even with Kenny Powers and his mullet, like, they think it's, like, you know, they don't get – they think that it's, like, we're champion this mullet-wearing, beer-drinking guy. They don't understand that we're sort of making fun of that yeah, a little bit, yeah, you
0: know? Yeah. That's a but, weird thing, like, when you put all this stuff into it and you have, like – so much is like display like a, kind of high intelligence right. around the, the production around the the way the writing is going yeah. around everything right. and then someone just presumes that isn't he aware that
1: this makes the character look bad right <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's never like it's always like um that's that's kind of what's cool about like doing a podcast or something is because like you can you can have a little bit longer time to really like um get into something mm-hmm. you know but i think that like right now especially we're in a we're in a place where people just look at something and give their first initial initial uh, snap judgment or call and it calls us like a whole thing you know and it's never it's never really like we, we've stopped listening a little bit or like you know
0: i think also like something else you said is people are looking for a good person like they want to be shown how to be good like they want <laughs> they want like like uh they want like a hero who's good. Yeah. Like there's and it's it, it's not just like like simple like what you would think of as simple uneducated people. Like this this whole educated kind of class, who like like the, in a book they want the redemption cycle. Like right. the person kicks the drugs. The person becomes a physicist. The person you know solves the cholera problem and all across Africa. Right. They like they can't just be some guy who's battling with himself and continues to battle with himself and is just trying to have like a better battle with himself. Right. Yeah. Which is Kind of like with you know Kenny Powers, all, all these characters. Like, yeah. like and, and they even on to the, to the White tailed Dove. Yeah. Which like was sort of a yeah. departure, but the same thing. It's like someone is trying to make something happen. Uh-huh. That Josh Brolin character is trying right. to make this thing happen with his kid. He's trying to make this his, his life kind of fit together in a way that kind of like would validate him. Mm-hmm. And it's just not gonna fucking happen. Yeah. And, th- and th- that to me is like the, the. It's not just the only story, and it's not that it is the only story, but it's a very helpful story, because most people, you're, you're going to have like a primary disappointment. Yeah. And you've got to figure out, how am I going to navigate this, and how am I going to like make the most of it? And, and it's only a disappointment, in a lot of cases, maybe it's to hear I'm going, I'm talking too much. This is where you're supposed to put it across. The <laughs> <laughs> no, let's no, enjoying it. But a lot of <laughs> times, it's only a disappointment because of what you think it should be, whatever. Yeah. And I feel like there was a lot of that in the... Um, white-tailed deer hunter
1: well there's very few times like uh at least in my life that have ever been these big victory wins you know what i mean where everything comes together and you know that's sort of like the traditional hollywood movie is that uh you win the race you win the girl you win the whatever and then there's like three minute wrap up at the end of the movie and it shows that your life is going to be good from now on out. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's, that's pretty much how movies are structured. And, you know, I don't know. I always thought that that was a little weird, you know? I mean, I get it, but at the same time, uh, you know, most things in life aren't like that. You know, there's good and bad with every big event in your life. Um, and usually things are kind of going to be okay okay <laughs> you know they may not be great right. they're just going to be kind of okay and I or, or you deal with it or right. whatever and I there's sort of like uh, um, a little bit that, uh, of that I think at the end of each of my movies you know the one
0: thing I really liked about the white uh, tail deer hunter yeah. is it wasn't uh, like I feel it would not have uh, it would not have alienated uh, uh, hunting people who like to hunt yeah And then it would not, on the other hand, it, like, also had something for people who feel that hunting's wrong. somehow, and I don't think it was because it was dodging the issue. Yeah. I think it was, I don't know what it was, but was that also a conscious thing? Yeah,
1: 100%. Um, I really thought about that a lot, because I, you know... People hunt in
0: North Carolina, right? I mean,
1: they, they do. I mean, I've never actually been hunting in my life, um, but you know, I started doing research on it, and it, you know, when you, when I was doing this research, everybody who is like into hunting, I don't want to say everybody, for the most part, uh, from what I came across, is that they actually have this really great respect for animals and and what they're doing with, um, you know, when they take a life, whether it's a deer or whatever, they they eat the animal it's like a big and like a merciful death you know a clean kill like these things are big uh they probably the points of pride yeah exactly and probably a lot of people who don't who would have a problem with it don't quite understand that you know uh but at the same time i didn't want to like i wasn't trying to make some grand statement on hunting either you know what i mean with the movie um we you know i didn't want to show them like Getting off on hunting, meaning like the killing of the animals, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just tried to do exactly kind of how I thought it would be, probably for a guy like this. The funny
0: thing about that movie is like,
1: it's a, well, there's a lot of funny things, <laughs> but uh, like all of a
0: sudden, the Danny McBride character yeah. pulls out these photos of his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Is that one of those things when someone thought of it, and you're like, well, now we've thought of it, but we, we can't not do it? Or Yeah,
1: well, I don't know. His character was just always, we wanted to make him like the dirty uncle. And so then we were like, well, how dirty is he? He's <laughs> pretty like, really dirty. Yeah, oh, he's got a weird fetish. <laughs>
0: A weird, a weird fetish is like having someone old shoe or something. Yeah, <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> I'm a weird fetish. just yeah. a freak. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We laughed at shooting that scene. <laughs> yeah.
1: When I shot that scene, I had to stage it to where like um, there's no actual nudity in those pictures. Like if you watch the film, like everybody goes, "Oh my god, that must have been so crazy when you did that." If you look at it, everybody's positioned in, like, a weird way where you just, like, assume it, but you don't see any boobs, any butts, any parts of anything. It's all done with just, like, arms and shoulders blocking different, like, areas and stuff. Is that, is that stuff. Get
0: a G rating for that movie? It Did I get a G rating? I don't think so. I think I got rating. That was a little <laughs> joke. I, a little <laughs> joke. Mean, under, the, under the radar. Joke. Yeah, it was on
1: Netflix, so I don't think they even – Did they rate or I don't think easy? they rated it, no.
0: Yeah, that's a crafty thing, though. Like, I've, I've done some of that, too, because – like magazine covers, like the cover yeah. had to not show whatever, you had to like, yeah. but you had to really pull the person in to <laughs> think. That something
1: was going on, honestly, that scene was just super weird and like not, not fun at all to shoot. It like, was fucking just, weird to watch, yeah <laughs> you just have to sh- i mean you have to just position somebody in like a sex position and like block people in a certain way. there's nothing sexy about that shoot. it was totally... so you shot all the, okay was I didn't, I
0: so you shot all the the orgy photos too, yeah,
1: yo, yeah, I was there like you know putting bodies in places yeah, 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 and taking yeah. pictures and yeah. stuff it was I hated it. I've never had one awesome experience shooting a sex scene. Well, then you're <laughs> lucky
0: that you avoided the career of a porn director because it would have been yeah, killing you. N- nothing but because that, that's right? that's all you do, yeah, all you do all day long, all night
1: long. Yeah, you probably went to some sets, right? I went to some sets. Yeah. Yeah. Was it totally – is it clinical or is it like – are people like into it there?
0: It's not really clinical.
1: This was totally clinical and weird.
0: Yeah. It's so normal, yeah. but it's very weird. Like that was, like, that's so what's weird about it? Yeah, it's a really normalized weird uh, weirdness. Yeah. So it's it's hard to say. Like, there was this guy. <laughs> I'm going to go on for a little while. I'm going to tell an actual story. this. There's hear this guy yeah. named Rocco sofritti I don't know if you've, you Yeah, know, the
1: ever. Italian. The Italian stallion. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, he yeah. has a, a penis that's very long. Right. <laughs> Even when it's not doing anything, it's very long. <laughs> and I went to this set one time, and I'm watching him. There was some big scene. He's one of, he was one of the males in it. And I'm sitting there on a, a sack of rice or something. I'm sitting on something. And then... <clears throat> Rocco goes, hey, he had met me in France at some porn convention. Uh-huh. He remembered me, and he he comes over. He's a very gracious guy. Yeah. He goes, like, hey, how you doing? And he's talking to me, blah, 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 blah. And I'm talking to him, blah, 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 blah. And then I realized, like, about th- three or four minutes in the conversation, that this giant dong is swinging back and forth <laughs> right in front of my face. I'm like, this is a little odd. So then I stood up and just continued talking to him like that. <laughs> but, but second, I like that
1: it took uh, you three or four minutes what, to realize. I, 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 I was engaged. You know, have he that was, good eye contact. Fella.
0: I had—I I didn't break the eye contact. That's what it was. I just, straight eye contact. But it, we were, I don't know what we were talking about. But for some reason, it was just like again, like very normalized. It was kind of like, there's there's a movie where Ryan Gosling does that to Steve Carell.
1: Oh, yeah. Our, our, uh, yeah, right, the romantic comedy. Yeah, out. something oh, yeah. that blah,
0: blah, blah, love. crazy, right. stupid love. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. And it gave me a little flashback, <laughs> but not traumatic. Yeah. You know, I just remembered, oh, yeah, that happened to me with you know with Rocco's and Freddy. That's what the, what I didn't tell everybody, I but now I've admitted it.
1: So. Well, if, if it's going to happen with somebody, yeah, Rocco's yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> he
0: was pretty good. He was a great guy. I don't know if he is a great guy. People said he was kind of a bastard. Oh, really? But, you know, women loved him. Women wanted to work with him all the time. He was like.
1: I like saw his. Do- they made a documentary recently on him where he's going to retire, and it was on. It was on iTunes. I saw. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. It was totally weird.
0: He had like, he was sort of like, um, like porn royalty.
1: Right. Like He, yeah. would,
0: he would always have uh, like a girlfriend who was also in porn. I don't know if he brought them in. He met whatever, and it would always be like. Some some stunning Hungarian who should have been a model, (laughs) (laughs) but but except that she was you know too built to be a model. Right. It's just really something.
1: Tarzan and Jane, right? That was his big. Wasn't that his big? I don't know. He was was in
0: so many. Yeah. Tarzan and Jane might have been after me because I like after I got fired from Hustler, I I really never saw (laughs) no So it's weird. Because okay, so you avoided porn. Yeah, Boyd had managed
1: to do that, yeah. But you know, there's
0: is kind of a secret, like I don't know if you want to talk about it, and I don't really if it is even a secret, is how many really acclaimed filmmakers make commercials. Oh, yeah, Like, yeah, uh, sure. like Todd, uh, what's... Like, like I mean, people who... Yes. Academy Award winners. Right. Like, like this guy, Errol Morris. Like yeah, he, sure. He, Errol Morris is... He's huge, yeah. He, he's a fantastic uh, documentary maker, Thin yeah. Blue Line, right. Fog of War. And his series of Miller beer commercials <laughs> are they're so fantastic because they're yeah. sort of like like you can't tell where he's being serious or where he's mocking the consumer where he's mocking the product yeah. where he's mocking the the tropes that he's introducing into the commercials yeah they're really high level these commercials. yeah
1: I mean honestly it's like uh I got pretty much every director I know does commercials you know on the side commercials have been good for me because you know, if I'm making something or writing something, that always takes priority, you know. But, like, a lot of times over the holidays or something, um, it, it'll be Super Bowl time, and I'll do one of those commercials. Mm-hmm. And because of the commercials, like, I I really appreciate and feel blessed to have them because I've never had to take a movie or a TV job or anything like that that I haven't just out- – That That I wouldn't have done for free. Yeah, exactly. I've never needed to do anything for, like, work. I've never directed anybody else's writing. I've never had to, like, do something that I wasn't, like, fully, like, behind. It wasn't my own project. I think that's – a lot of that is because I have some money coming in from commercials, you know, that lets me sort of have that freedom. Now, the commercials, do they
0: see you, like – are your commercials, do they have the same kind of sensibility as your movies and TV
1: shows? No, no. Nothing at all? Well, I mean, once in a blue moon, like Danny and me got to make these – K-Swiss uh, commercials that they where he was playing Kenny Powers and mm-hmm. like that was fun. They let yeah. us kind of like do what we wanted to do and say what we want to say. And then um, you know, I mean, I try to like do a good job. I show up, but I'm definitely a I director. Trying to do a good job. Yeah, I mean, a good job. Yeah, and, <laughs> I and know, I like, like I appreciate try. it. Yeah, but I, you know, I'm not writing the commercials. <laughs> Those come from that agency. Right. Uh, I'm just a director for hire. Do you, you feel that like
0: it tunes you up in a way? Like it kind of like like I mean, you're already you've already. You've directed so many things already, but do you feel like doing these commercials is, is a way to keep, you know, keep your hand in? Like just, just keep your yeah, your, just your basic fundamental skills. For sure, yeah. Like doing I mean, scales to like practice for piano, right. like a musician.
1: It's um, they're usually so much shorter. Obviously, you know, when we were shooting Eastbound and Down, we would shoot, you know, six to eight, sometimes nine, you know, pages a day, and here I'm shooting you know, a 30-second commercial and you right. have a whole day to do it. Right. So to some degree, it's good not to just, like, get cold or anything like that. But, you know, it's not. It's commercial. It's not It's not a challenge every time. I mean, sometimes you get a cool one and yeah. stuff, but a lot of times you're just selling whatever. Okay, we're,
0: gonna ask you, we're almost right. We're kind of running out of time. Okay. So, but I want to ask you one thing is uh, yeah. 2006 or 2008 was the, Foot fist way, some anyway. Yeah, for like ten or more years, right? Yeah,
1: it's been a while.
0: So you came here, sort of as an, I would guess, as an outsider.
1: Yeah.
0: How do you feel now? Do you feel like you're kind of an outsider? Are you an insider? Are you like is Meryl Streep on your? Do you have Meryl Streep's number on your phone? I'm no,
1: like, no, <laughs> no, I definitely don't feel like I say, I mean, I still feel like an outsider to some degree, but I don't. I mean, I worry about things a lot all the time, and and I don't. I don't hang out with a lot of. Like Hollywood people. I, now I know some people just because of working with, you know, I made a movie where Seth Rogen was the mm-hmm. star, so I'm gonna know Seth Rogen, but um, I don't go to a lot of Hollywood parties. I don't do the thing. I don't, you know, all my friends aren't famous, that kind of stuff, um, and also, I'm, I, you know, I'm always worried that this film's gonna be the last one, or I'll never make a film again, that kind of thing, so... Mm-hmm. I don't think uh, I don't think I'll ever feel like an insider, like I've made it and I'm good to go. Like you know? you're a shot caller. Yeah, never. Right. You know, I might, might feel maybe it's not a good thing to feel like that. I don't know.
0: Well, what difference does it make?
1: No. Really. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Really, I because what,
0: what was, what's the worst? The worst would be it was your last movie, right? Yeah. And then what?
1: Gotta be a teacher. <laughs> 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 All right, let's end right there because
0: that seems like a good. Day. That's a. I mean, for a plan B. Yeah. That's a pretty fucking strong plan B. That's a good one, right? All right. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Alan.
0: Well, we've done it. Finished another episode of Skeeve with assistance and encouragement from Rare Bird Books. Thank you to Tyson Cornell, Julie Callahan, and Jessica S. If you want to know more about Alan McDonnell or Rare Bird Books, go to the theskeeve.com or rarebirdbooks.com. Skiveland. is not the worst place you could be.